five, four, three, two, one, zero. Welcome, everybody, to the latest edition of Culture Clash here on the Fandom Podcast Network. Um, we have a lot planned for this show, but um, we had some news today that I want to hit up. And I know we, for those watching, I'm, I'm sure that are joining us. I'm hoping you'll be joining the chat and give your thoughts to Carl Weathers passed away today. Um, obviously, the man is a legend in fandom from Apollo Creed to Grief Karga and all in between. Uh, this was a hard one. And I know. It hit especially hard for me. And, of course, my co-host, my brother from another mother, the co-founder of Fandom Podcast Network, Mr. Kevin Reitzel. Hey, what's going on, man? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we were planning this show today. We're getting all of our notes together and, and uh, you know, talk going to be talking about the movies that we've seen and the topic that we are with the Oblivion. And then, boom, fandom from all types of generations and family and friends got hit hard today because we lost a, le a legend carl weathers passed away today and uh for those of us that are movie fans uh raider fans like myself because he's a former raider player uh star wars fans in particular really really um uh got a wonderful amount of carl weathers and uh, on top of that too um not only was he grief carga right here grief carga uh, he even directed some episodes, and uh, so, yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's a gut punch, Kyle, and so that's why I'm I'm wearing my Carl Weathers jersey right here. Check it out. Mm -hmm. oh, hold on, jersey. let me. I'm gonna let me let me bring you into full view here. Give me just a second here. Yeah, I uh, I was I, I, was, ho I was hoping to get this signed by him one day, man. I see, I got he wore number forty nine. He was a, a linebacker for the Raiders, and uh, yep. So here's the jersey jersey name and number on the back of my jersey there. And uh, not going to happen now. And, um, you know, <laughs> it's funny, too. Not funny, funny, but I was uh, recently revisiting a Carl Weathers movie because a uh, shout out to our, uh, my friends at the Longbox Crusade. They have several uh, they have a network there uh, of several different shows under their umbrella, similar to us, Kyle, where we have the Fandom Podcast Network with several shows underneath there. And one of the shows they have is Action Film Face Off, where they take two action movies uh, randomly chosen between like 1970 to current day. Sometimes they'll go back earlier on some throwback episodes and they pit them together and throw some fun categories out there. And they had Action Jackson from 1988 starring Carl Weathers. Uh, Craig T. Nelson, Vanity, and a young Sharon Stone, and they uh, showcase this movie here. And uh, you know, of course, we're looking forward to seeing him in the Mandalorian again. You know, and these Mandalorian um, 4K Blu-rays just recently came out with the Steel Books, and uh, he was supposed to be part of the world coming. This is just hitting me now, Kyle. He was supposed to be part of that whole, you know, Mandoverse that's coming up. Now what? Yeah. Well, we are going to talk a lot more about Colorado Weathers here in just a minute. But first, just to kind of tell you what we got going on for today's Culture Clash. Um, of course, going to be a fun episode. 
we're going back to one of our favorite segments, uh, Save from Oblivion. We, we find some movies that maybe have been forgotten about or not talked about. We found a 2008 classic, Hayden Christensen, Jumper. Um, we're going to see if we, this should this movie be saved from oblivion. That, that, that is the question, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about um, some Masters of Air, um, the new Mean Girls film, Argyle, uh, several other things here with the um, Fandom Podcast Network. And, you know, we'll see. And uh, just Kenny, quick, Kenny Crick, just really? Yes, sir. I was going to shut him out. <laughs> oh, okay. There you go. Well, shout out from both of us, Kenny. We love you. Yeah, Kenny so and, are- uh, for, of course, Adam in there as well. Thank you for being there, brother. Appreciate you. And, of course, too, we are here with the news of Carl Weathers passing away. I mean, Kevin, to say this man is a legend is probably an understatement at this point. It's really interesting when we when I think about Carl Weathers, too, is the aspect of he had this amazing career in the 80s, and he kind of disappeared through a chunk of the 90s until a certain film brought him back. But here we see, of course, the beginning of his career playing for your beloved Raiders. On the back of this card, you know how those old football and baseball cards uh, had some type of trivia about the player. Remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah. The back on the back of this football card for Carl Weathers. Um, you know, of course he's a, a, a he's, he's a, has his Raider jerseys on here, but on the back, it says that he studied acting in school and he's looking forward to doing more acting. And here we kind of see some of the career of Carl Weathers going from his Apollo Creed days to Dutch in predator. Uh, Dylan and Predator. Dylan Predator, that's right. Of course, <laughs> and later on. And then here you go, Kevin. Early on in his career with the football, going from yep. the going from that to uh P- Apollo Creed, which let's be honest, Carl Weathers is will be until the day he dies for a lot of us. He will always be Apollo Creed. Yeah, that is his most iconic uh role. And uh I, I'm just so happy though that he got a chance to be part of another universe that a lot of fans will know him for, of course, as uh, Mr. Grief Carga right here, as I'm showing a picture of him. And uh, yeah, uh, he's going to be missed, sorely, sorely missed. That one hit hard today for me, uh, Kyle. And just a shout out to uh, Raider Nation. Uh, a lot of them uh, were putting up, uh, um, you know, rest in pieces and stuff like that up there. And not rest in pieces, but you know what I mean? Just uh, condolences and stuff like that. Um, I did want to mention something real quick, Kyle. You have a picture up here of Action Jackson. And, of course, I've got the DVD right here. Uh, what I found out through the Action Film Face-Off podcast, our friends there, that there there was another movie that he did that has a Star Wars tie, sort of. And uh, he did a movie following Action Jackson that came out in 1990 called Dangerous Passion. Can you uh, highlight me on this one here, Kyle? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, people can, can see that. this. Dangerous Passion. Look, Billy D. Williams is the co-star of this. Now, the reason why I bring this up, Kyle, is because overseas, this movie was marketed as Action <laughs> Jackson 2. Uh, just because, well, he does his thing. But it's a different character, of course. But, uh, you know, with uh, people overseas, it didn't matter. He was a sellable action star. So, and this is the la- this is the laser disc I have in the film. <laughs> of course, too, in his run with what, uh, to my in my opinion, the most testosterone film move, filled movie of all time, Predator. Yeah, yeah, he was so good in that. Dylan, 
Do they have the CIA pushing pencils too much? <laughs> the, 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 the handshake that broke the internet. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I had, by the way, I firsthand had uh, seen him at um, being interviewed at Star Wars Celebration and getting signatures with people. And he was so good with fans. So good with fans. He kind of dropped off for a little while, though, Kevin, and mainly through the like the early part of the 90s, but made a huge comeback in Happy Gilmore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we still wonder what happened to that hand. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, you have some, uh, uh, what, a tweet from someone that was um, reacting yes. to his speaking passing? Of speaking of Happy Gilmore, Adam Sandler came out on Twitter with an amazing tweet um, quoted from his Twitter account, a true great man, great dad, great actor, great athlete. So much fun to be around always smart as hell, loyal as hell, funny as hell, loved his sons more than anything. What a guy. Everybody loved him. My wife and I had the best times with him. Every time we saw him love to his entire family and Carl will always be known as a true legend. So not only was it Happy Gilmore, but Apollo Creed became a part of the movie Lexicon again without even him being in in, a, in the film. But Michael B. Jordan taking on the role of Adonis Creed and an amazing run of films with Sylvester Stallone. And here we get to see when he got to meet Carl Weathers for the first time, thanks to, to Sly at one of the Creed events. And just phenomenal there and of course at kevin as you mentioned a whole new generation got to see him in a totally different life as grief carga in the mandalorian and that really had re-cemented him on the map in fact there's that series of commercials going on with him and gronk right now for that super bowl kick thing that there's an doing there's another show actually that was brought to my attention by uh, our friend andy sloan for those of you guys that don't know andy he is a huge highlander fan and uh, he does tours of Vancouver, Canada for the television series Filming Locations. And I went on one of his tours back in 2019. And uh, I've hung out with him at a couple of Highlander conventions as well. But the reason uh, I bring up Andy is that he turned me on to a short-lived TV series that um, Carl Weathers did in, that he filmed in, uh, in and around Vancouver called Street Justice. I remember that. Uh, from from 91 to 93, uh, and uh, um, it was uh, done by the, oh gosh, what's the name of that famous producer uh, that did like uh, 21 Jump Street and all those guys? Uh, is, is it Stephen J. Cannell, maybe? I can't remember. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, but anyway, another series. And you know, he, he was doing a lot of kind of like B-films, and uh, he was also on the uh, Tour of Duty TV series. Remember the one about Vietnam? Mm -hmm. Remember that yeah. one? He was also on that one. So yeah, uh, Carl Weathers, rest in peace, brother. We are going to miss you. And uh, it's a sad day in fandom. Uh, and I know Star Wars fans are hurting as well as Raider fans are. So. Uh, for me too, Kevin, uh, this it will be Apollo Creed. Um, whenever James Brown living in America hits, that's where my mind goes. Rocky Four. Yeah, that yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. And him in Predator too, which is great. And Action Jackson, if you haven't seen it lately, check it out. He's really good in that. Yeah, and shout out to David Lozano joining us. David, what's up, buddy? Good to see you. Yeah, morning Carl Weathers all day today.
from Rocky to Predator to The Mandalorian, huge part of my childhood, having a glass of Spotchka tonight in his honor. Well said, David. Well said. Yeah. Um, you will be missed. Um, we had so much more to get from him still, too, Kevin. We talked about I know. it. Yeah. And that's going to be. But life does go on, but he will always be a legend. Yep. But let's talk about. Let's change things up here a little bit, Kevin. Let's talk about what's coming soon or just arrived on the Fandom Podcast Network. And first up, we have got the last episode of Culture Clash. Um, we, we are starting something. 2024 is the year of time travel here at the Fandom Podcast Network. And we have started our time travel spotlight on Culture Clash, where we are going to be looking at throughout the year different time travel movies. And the movie that kind of kicked us off, thanks to myself and our, our good friend Lacey Adderhold, the queen of movie foo, a Sound of Thunder, the Ed Burns uh, time travel movie based off the classic Ray Bradbury short story. Kevin, I actually found a movie that you and Lacey hadn't seen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had not. This movie uh, kind of tanked in the box office, and uh, we had some trivia about why it probably did. Uh, they had a casting change and a budget slash, but it was still very interesting based off, of course, that short story, and uh, uh, I enjoyed it immensely. And just for a little tease, the next episode of Culture Clash Live will be going back to the time travel spotlight as we will be revisiting the great Michael Crichton book and movie, Timeline. Show me, show me, show me, show me. Show you. Take away the slide. There you go. Take away the slide. Ah. Timeline. Oh, look, I got two copies. God, look at that. What am I going to do with two wait, copies? Wait, wait. Yeah, uh, 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 is, is that a paradox? Can both of those exist in the same time frame, Kevin? Whoa, whoa. <laughs> I just watched Time Cop recently. Thank you, Adam, by the way. <laughs> Adam, watch, uh, when we, I was listening to our um, uh, Hard Target, uh, or watching our Hard Target uh, Cash Potato Theater, I got inspired to watch some other uh, movies with Van Damme and, and I wanted to time travel, so I had to watch some Time Cop. So oh, there you go. But not so much in time travel, but it's some fun CPT that's been going around because you got the crew together and did it give a little payback, Kevin. Yes, I had Lacey on, and of course, Lee, my co host for the uh, Highlander, Blood of Kings Highlander podcast. And we covered extent, uh, extensively both versions of this film the theatrical and the director's cut and all the differences. They're two different movies when you, when you uh, compare the second halves of the film. Yeah. Uh, you, I, it's a, it's a very good podcast and you guys did a great job covering that. And that's definitely one of the cases where the director's cut make is it, it makes a big difference between the original release and the director's cut. And it's a matter of what you prefer, but yeah, that, that's, that's where a director's cut should be. It should give you something different perspective to look at the film and payback definitely does that. But up next, Kevin, hair metal. We're still talking about it. We had the hair metal draft, 1989. I, I commissioned it, but you guys did all the work in the drafting, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, we have the, if you're part of the hair metal uh, Facebook um, group, there's an ongoing poll up there right now for you to vote on who you think drafted the um uh, best hair metal band and we had a lot of fun with that and kyle you're the commissioner you picked a great group of the leftovers so make sure you guys check that out and of course time warp back um a little change for this year with time warp we're covering the movies of 1984 but we're giving time warp a monthly release so january the january episode is out 
While not the strongest month of movies for 1984, there was still a lot going on, including the premiere of some very important TV shows that came out in 1984, Kevin. Yeah, doing Time Warp Monthly will give us time to highlight some of the other pop culture around the movies. And uh, we do, obviously, music and, of course, television. And a lot of mid-season replacements uh, come out in the first part of a year for shows that get canceled after a short run from like September through December that don't do well. And there are some iconic ones. So make sure you guys check out January 1984 of Time Warp. And of course, February is right around the corner. And uh, Kevin, are, are you feeling your dance? Yes. We're going to be highlighting Footloose. We're really excited about that. We're going to probably have a little discussion about the remake as well. And we've got some other uh, iconic movies coming out as well. And we're going to be talking a little music and television as well. Yeah, they're going to be. It's always fun on the time warp to hit that up. And we're going to continue. Kevin, we've got all kinds of stuff. Because 84 is a huge year for movies. Let's be, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of other things that happen in the 84 as well. Yeah, just wait till we get to March there, dude. we got some banger shows, that are banger stuff to talk about with Spinal Tap, Splash, Romancing the Stone, Repo Man, Ice Pirates, Police Academy. Yeah. And then uh, we dive right into April and yeah, we're going to be, we're going to have a lot of fun. We got some good stuff coming up. And lastly, I'm working on a project. It's taking me a little longer than I've wanted to, but Pacific Rim, we are doing a rematch of Pacific Rim mainly because one, I'm a huge Pacific Rim fan. Kevin just recently purchased it on 3d Blu-ray and got to experience that, but we're mixing in a little bit of Godzilla in it because of the phenomenon that is Godzilla minus one. And the fact we have yet another uh, MonsterVerse film coming out with Godzilla Kong, and we just got done wrapping up the Monarch series on Apple TV Plus, which was a lot better than what I even expected it to be. It's a great time for Kaiju and giant robot fans, Kevin. That is going to be a fun show. I'm looking forward to that, and I want to give a shout out. First of all, Adam Adam said Ice Pirates, and uh, he's also uh, Lonesome Dove this week is released on uh, um, Lethal Mullet, so make sure you check that out. Very, very iconic uh, American uh, miniseries. And also, too, Kenny, you are right. 84 is an awesome year for movies. And uh, that's one of the things we're really excited about because a lot of iconic movies came out in 84. And we can't wait to share them with you. And Kevin, we're even crossing the streams here a little bit at the Fandom Podcast Network with a crossover between two of our shows. Yeah, uh, we're going to be doing um, Couch Potato Theater for Rockstar that came out in 2001. And then uh, on the Hair Metal Podcast, we're going to be discussing uh, in depth the actual soundtrack of that movie because they had actual rock stars play uh, the characters in the film that were filling out the band there. And it has a fantastic soundtrack. So we're going to do a little crossover with uh, um, Rockstar 2001. Very, very exciting. And of course, all this great stuff is on the Fandom Podcast Network which means that we're also going to continue here live with Culture Clash Live. And we got a lot of things to get into, so let's start getting into them. Now, you might think that is Kevin Reitzel in that, on that screen, but it is not. Kevin stepped away for a few minutes, and I am guest hosted now with the great Charlie Day. Charlie, how are you doing? I I'm glad you could take a break from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I know you guys are busy. Do I really look like Charlie Day, Kyle? Do I really look Charlie Day? Really? If you let if you let the beard grow in a little bit more, you could probably pull it off. But I have a feeling that another guest, I might have another celebrity guest before this this episode is over. And I'm just saying, I I I I have a feeling. 
Oh man, that's so funny. Thank you, Adam, by the way. <laughs> Had a little fun with that. So yeah. Okay. Well, we got a lot of things to get into and a lot of news. So ladies and gentlemen. Let's news. Kevin, I can feel it in the air. It's award season, which means it's time for the Oscars, which used to be, we made a pretty big deal about the Oscars because we had the clashes when the Oscars would come around. It's been a little rough the last few years because of COVID and strikes and everything like that. But the Oscar nominations for this year have come out and there's some interesting things going on with the Oscar nominations this year, Kevin. But I've got kind of the main awards here in front of me. I'm just going to kind of give the rundown here. Um, For Best Picture, we have American Fiction, Anatomy of a Fall, Barbie, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Poor Things, and The Zone of Interest. Now, Kevin, I'm going to, if I were to go over under, I'd say you probably have seen three of these films. You would be correct, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Three of the 10, you are right. Kyle, if I had to guess, I would say you've seen two. I, I'm going to say two and a half because I'm about halfway through Killers of the Flower. Moon okay. <laughs> so, so you'll be done by next week. Good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I kind of agree with Mr. David Lozano there. Um, I think the Oppen homies are going to take it. I think. Yeah. You know, I was, tr- I was going over my head going, who could take this? And it's either that or Killers of the Flower Moon, but I'm feeling Oppenheimer on this one. I really am. Well, for best directing, we've got Justin Treat for um, Anatomy of the Fall, Martin Scorsese for Killers of the Flower Moon, Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer, Yorgos Latimos for Poor Things, and Jonathan Glazer for The Zone of Interest. I I think this is Christopher Nolan's year, Kevin. Has he won an Oscar for best director? I can't remember. Uh, No, I don't believe he has. Yeah, he was up for. Either Knight or the Dunkirk. I think he was up for Dunkirk, but I don't think he won it that Yeah, you know, of those movies, I've only seen two. Uh, The best directing, I'd give it to Nolan. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Best actor, we got Bradley Cooper for Maestro, Coleman Domingo for Rustin, Paul Giamatti for The Holdovers, Killian Murphy for Oppenheimer, and Jeffrey Wright for American Fiction. I like there's a I like all of these actors. I, I'm a I'm a big Coleman Domingo fan from his Fear the Walking Dead days and um I, I can't I can't, place the, I can't place his face. Yeah, you you would know him if you saw him. Okay. Jeffrey Wright, obviously, but uh I think this is Killian Murphy's again Oppenheimer cleaning house. I I haven't seen American fiction yet, but I really want to. I'm feeling Jeffrey could possibly steal this. You know how there's always a surprise. You know how there's always a surprise. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I'm just I'm just feeling it. Now, best actress in a leading role. We've got Annette Benning for Nyad, Lily Gladstone for Killers of the Flower Moon, Sandra Huller for Anatomy of a Fall, Carrie Mulligan for Maestro, and Emma Stone for Poor Things. I gonna be honest with you, I am kind of rooting for Lily Gladstone here. I definitely am having seen that film. Um She's the only likable character in that movie, and she is fantastic. I hope she wins it. Yeah, uh, Best Actor in a Supporting Role, we got Sterling K. Brown for American Fiction, Robert De Niro for Killers of the Flower Moon, Robert Downey Jr. for Oppenheimer, Ryan Gosling for Barbie, and Mark Ruffalo for Poor Things. 
I'm rooting for Ryan Gosling. I'm not even going to lie. Uh, no, 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 no. This is Robert Downey Jr.'s. Um, he was the best thing about Oppenheimer, in my opinion. He came in and killed it. Did you see Oppenheimer, Kyle? Yeah, I did. And he was definitely okay. amazing. But there's just something with Ryan Gosling in that end role that just it's makes- it's too it's low hanging fruit, in my opinion. I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised if Ryan wins. But the person from the ones I've seen here, Robert Downey Jr. just slayed this. This is his best acting I have ever seen. And he deserves he deserves it. I Um, think I think I think David Lozano is agreeing with me. Well, and I would have a problem with that. I love Robert Downey Jr. I I, I hope so for Gladstone as well. Um, Best actress in a supporting role. We've got Emily Blunt for Oppenheimer, Danielle Brooks for The Color Purple, America Ferreira for Barbie, Jodie Foster for Nyad, and Divine Joy Randolph for The Holdovers. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not quite sure on this one. I don't. I haven't seen any of these other performances. Yeah. I Well, I do. America Ferrer was really good in Barbie. She was really good, but uh, I, I'm just kind of I'm going with Emily Blunt on this one, um, and I would love to see her win an Oscar. Yeah, that's great. that's probably where I would go with that too. But Kevin, these nominations are not without some controversy because there was two, in most people's opinion, two very large and wouldn't. Why are they omissions? People can't figure out. No Margot Robbie for Barbie, and no Greta Gerwig for director of Barbie. I can kind of go with you for Margot. I can understand it. It's a pretty packed field this year. But Greta Gerwig not getting a director nomination is mind blowing to me. Yeah, I yeah that that that's the surprise for me. Uh, and you know, uh, I think it was on the Today Show yesterday. Margot addressed this, and she she was basically playing. She was a big team player about this. You know, uh, she felt very. You know, she was very PC about it. She didn't complain. She didn't do anything. Uh, she was honored to work on the film, and she, you know, she uh, put put a lot of support towards Greta on this. But if this movie does win Best Picture, um, there is an Oscar there for um, uh, Margot because she's one of the producers. Uh, so there is that. But um, it's 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 a director that should have been nominated. Uh, Facebook user, uh, oh, I'm not sure who sorry, this Tom. is, but um, yeah, Godzilla should have been nominated for Best Foreign Film. I know it did get a uh, effects Oscar nomination. Um, I'm wondering if the fact that it took so many people by surprise and was so late in the game and coming out that maybe yeah. that affected it. But yeah, I, I agree with you, Godzilla minus. I think God, if you were asking my personal opinion, Godzilla minus one should have just gotten a Best Picture nominee. Agreed. That, yeah, we'll talk that, more about that. <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll get into more about that, but that covers the Oscar nominations. I'm, I'm I'll probably watch the Oscars this year. I think Jimmy Kimmel is coming back to host, Kevin. So, oh, I'll, really? Yeah, that's what I've heard. Is that Kimmel is coming back to host? Oh, okay, good. That'll be that'll be interesting then. But now the next piece of news. Normally, when I bring this particular su- subject up, it usually endorses nap time with Kevin. But even Kevin had to admit this is some pretty big news, and it's actually a very big impact on the. <laughs> realm of what's happening with streamable streaming and cable TV because let's talk some WWE, Kevin. I know this is not one of your ultimate favorite subjects, but um, Netflix Netflix just paid ten billion dollars 
or no, $5 billion for 10 years cover, 10 years broadcasting rights for the WWE's biggest weekly show, WWE Raw. This deal. That's also, that was the Monday night show, right? Yeah. The Monday night Raw, Monday night Raw. So I, I have a question for you. I know how, I, I know how huge that is. I've heard it for, you know, I'm, I'm not a wrestling fan guys. Just going to throw it out to you, but I, I support the fandom and I know you love it, Kyle. I know our guys and what a piece of junk love it, but are they taking away the Monday night portion of it? Cause that was tradition for you wrestling fans. Like it is for Monday night football. Yeah. M M Monday night raw is going off of broadcast television and going to Netflix in at the beginning of 2025. However, it could be a little sooner than that because technically the contract for the USA network, which has covered, um, which has aired Monday night raw for forever runs out in September. And so there's going to be about a three month window where raw is going to have no TV contract. A lot of people think they'll work out something to where it goes to Netflix a little earlier, or they work out a deal with USA network to cover it for those last three months. But there's a lot more to this deal than just that. Kevin Netflix now has a, is now the, because there is a thing called WWE studios and they've made several films. And now that that is being tied into Netflix, Netflix will be the producer of any future WWE films. Here's the kicker for this, Kevin. While in the U.S., Raw will air on Netflix, but that'll be the only WWE show that airs on Netflix. WWE SmackDown, which is currently on Fox, will be moving to the USA Network on Friday nights. And a couple of their other shows will be moving around. But outside of the U.S., the only place where you'll be able to watch WWE is if you have Netflix. Uh, Kenny has a thing here. He says, I have not watched WWE in years uh Full time since the year Taker Und lost to Brock at WrestleMania. Yeah. For to, to so, educate you real quick, un under I know who you know who the Undertaker is. Yes, yes. He had a winning streak at WrestleMania of like 20 years. Brock Lesnar, the big MMA superstar, big WWE star until about three weeks ago when and that, that's another topic for another time. He beat they had him beat Undertaker at WrestleMania, and it really kind of turned a lot of people off because they were rooting for the Undertaker to so, have be unbeaten. Does this mean that Netflix can turn some of these uh WWE stars into action stars or yeah, some of their movie, very, very, movies? Very, like very, like very, John Cena's been doing some Netflix films. I mean, yeah, very 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 much so. Yeah. It, okay. It's a partnership for movie production and everything. So this is a big deal. And Kevin, I mean, this is a major network show going to Strictly a streaming service. In fact, it's probably one of the biggest network show, may, still broadcast cable shows out there outside of professional sports. Yeah, huge. So this is going to be a big game changer for that. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens in 2025. But Kevin, we got some movies coming out too. Ghostbusters, um, Frozen Empire dropped their newest trailer. And Kevin, whether you like Ghostbusters Afterlife or not, I'm going to give something to Mr. Reitman, who, of course, is his son, Ivan Reitman's son, who's taken over directing of these franchises. The man knows how to pay tribute to where Ghostbusters came from. Because yeah. the gang is all here in this. You've got, you, you've got every, outside of Rick Moranis, I think anybody who is a key player in Ghostbusters is back in this film, including um, our favorite a-hole from the original film, Kevin. <laughs> Yes, uh, I can confirm this man has no, you know what? Yes, he's back. Uh, and, you know, uh, all of the surviving Ghostbuster guys are back with, I guess, with the exception of uh, Rick Moranis, at least that we know of. 
it, let me just tell you, the teaser trailer for me, Kyle, was underwhelming because uh, it didn't give enough away for me to get excited. This one got me excited. This one was a good trailer, and I really did enjoy it, and uh, I'm excited for the film. And I, I, in Afterlife, I, I thought McKenna Grace stole that film, and I think she'll be great in this too. But I recently saw a picture of McKenna Grace when she's not in that role. And that is a very beautiful young lady. I'm just going to say that. I, I'm going to even throw this out here. While I'm not a huge fan of the um, 2016 Ghostbusters film with the all-female cast, I would love to sneak maybe a, a guest spot for Kate McKinnon in this film. I think that would be fun for them to have a cameo in this movie. Yes, somewhere, somehow. But I'm excited for this film. I'm excited for the fact that we're seeing a new villain, which we really didn't see in Ghostbusters Afterlife. Plus, mm -hmm. we even, <clears throat> excuse me, we even get a Slimer return in this trailer, Kevin. Yes. <laughs> Slimer lives. I love Slimer. But up next is a movie, Kevin, we, we were talking about this before we got on. If we would have known about this movie, we would have both thrown it on our 2024 excitement list. Guy Ritchie <laughs> has a new film coming out with a incredible cast. Um, the Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare, and this trailer just dropped. And Kevin, wow, I'm I, I'm in kind of mixed bag on the last few Guy Ritchie films, but this one, I'm I'm front front and center to go see this one because it looks great. And what a cast! We're talking Alan Richson of Reacher fame, Henry Cavill, Eliza Gonzalez, uh, Carrie Ewells, Alex Pettifer, Henry Golding, um, even from Strange New Worlds, our Doctor from Strange New Worlds. Is going to be in this um, Star Star Trek, cast. yeah, yeah. Uh, what a cast and what a trailer! So, guys, make sure you check out this trailer. This uh, this this film, it, it definitely has a um, uh, Inglorious Bastards feel to it because it takes place during World War II and it's based on a true story. And there is an actor in this movie that is playing a young Ian Fleming. And it looks like a lot of fun. And um, Kyle, as you know, um, Michael Rosenbaum's podcast inside of me has had Alan Richson on several, several times and they become some of his most popular podcasts because Alan is very upfront uh, about mental health and his own issues. And his most recent uh, podcast that he, that he was on um, promoting uh, Reacher season two he talks about how after Reacher season one came out, his phone was ringing. People wanted to work with him. And this was one of the pictures uh, that was um, that he was asked to be part of because of that, because uh, this is produced by Jerry Bruckenheimer. And if you don't know who that is, you aren't paying attention. He's one of the most famous producers of all time. And uh, he saw uh, Alan as, um, you know, reach your season one saying i got to get this guy in this film and so this is we're, we're going to see alan's uh, star rise and rise and he's wow. in another film coming out this year too kyle yeah um well to to talk continue on that inside of you podcast when michael michael rosemont said yeah when jerry is calling you you answer the phone because he doesn't call anybody yeah jerry <laughs> bruckenheimer yeah very powerful guy so um yeah, I'm excited for this. Um, he, he's in a movie, by the way. I'm forgetting the name of it, but he's in a movie with Hillary Swank coming out uh, that looks uh, like a good drama. So I'm excited for him. Oh, uh, David Lozano. Alan is going to be the next Batman. Oh, shoot. Sorry. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yes. <laughs> that would be cool. 
James Gunn is watching. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> but with, with that, guys, that's going to wrap up some of our news. But we're not done yet. But we'll be right back. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Alan Tudyk, what are you doing here on the Culture Clash? <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, Jennifer started started something, didn't she? <laughs> oh, well, come on, you've been hit with the Alan Tudyk for years now. Yeah, especially when I dyed my hair blonde, uh, people got me uh, looking like uh, Alan Tudyk, and uh, you know, for a while it was uh, it was J.J. Uh, uh, Abrams, and yeah, it's it's it's. I got some doppelgangers apparently. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've blown our entire celebrity budget in one episode. So. <laughs> <laughs> don't expect a lot of guests on Culture Clash unless they pay us to be on, and I don't know if that's going to be happening anytime soon. J2, is that you? <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, we have seen a few things around here. So once again, buy it, buy it, buy it, stream it, stream it, stream it, or unsee it. See it. That is right. It is time for the Culture Clash review section. Buy it, stream it, or unsee it. If you're new to the Clash, of course, it should be self-explanatory. If we like it, we're buying it. If we thought it was good, but we're not 100% sure, yeah, we'll probably stream it or unsee it. Can I wipe it from my memory? Do I have one of those MIB neuralizers? And can we just go from there? But we've got some interesting things happening in some buy it, stream it, or unsee it, Kevin. But before we get started with that, I do want to ask you, because there was one thing I meant to throw in, and you, it reminded me when we were talking about Alan Richardson. Reacher Season 2 just wrapped up. What, I'm just going to throw it out there. I'm not, I don't want to get into spoilers, because I know some people haven't watched it all yet. As good as, better than, a little less than Season 1. What would you, what would your, what would your thought? I would, so, I would say a little bit better than Season 1, because of his of the ensemble cast of his former military um people that he reunites again with because of stuff that starts happening um the first one was great obviously uh but i love this one because i also love the villain in it as well and seeing reacher work with people not just be the loner is fantastic I, i'm gonna say it's right on par with season one it's different than Season one with, with with the ensemble cast. I like seeing Reacher kind of on his own too, but I like getting more of his background. I think I think the cast as a whole was outstanding. I know my dad, who I've got hooked on the show, is a big fan of Neely. He he loves yeah. Neely. And yeah, so big fan of for example. It, it was a great it was a great season. We I know it's renewed for at least two more seasons. It's a huge yeah. hit for Amazon. I think it's gonna be they're gonna do it as long as Alan wants to do it. I know it does take a physical toll on him. He talks about that on that inside second inside of you podcast that he does. Yeah. Yeah. But he's got, he's, he is a gold mine right now and it's really put him on the map and it is a wonderful show. So definitely check that out. But as we get into some buy it, stream it, or and see it, of course, as always spoiler warnings. Yeah. Gonna be getting there's a movie there's a movie that i just saw that came out we'll get into i'm not going to get spoilerific on it yeah, so i haven't seen it yet and i really want to yeah. see it yeah. um but we are going to be talking about some of these films and tv shows a little bit more in depth so if you haven't checked them out yet pa hit pause on your on your youtube feed pause on your podcast if you're listening to the audio version of this if you're watching live just close your ears or maybe you've already seen some of these things but we're gonna have some fun so let's get into buy it stream it or see it with our first thing that we are talking about now, Letterboxd. Now, Kevin, you started this last year, our good mm -hmm. friends at Letterboxd. Um, you 
kept track of your movies and what what was the final total for what last year in uh from uh january 1st 2023 through december 31st 2023 i saw 408 films and you're going for more because you i don't know about that but i decided to i found out it was so useful keeping track of what you watched because you you remember stuff by looking at your list again. Because in Letterbox app, you can make up your own watch list. You can also review them and share them if you want. But it keeps track of what you're watching, and it's tough to remember everything. And uh, through today is February second, twenty twenty four. Happy Groundhog's Day, by the way. I've already watched forty five films, and a lot of that has to do. With my hobby here, Kyle, with the Fandom Podcast Network, especially with new stuff that's coming out for this show, the Bytes, you're going to see it. And, of course, Time Warp, where we cover movies of a particular year. We go back and watch these movies. And as we've talked about earlier, we're talking about Time Warp 1984 because all of the 84 films are 40 years old. So I'm rewatching movies I, I haven't seen in a while and new movies that are 40 years old that I haven't seen. And, you know, I'm just a big movie cinephile fan, as you can tell. Yeah, I got I got some work to catch up to you. Um, I'm doing the letterbox as well, but I'm only up to about seven films. But that that that'll change once I get past April. So real quick, too, we just want to let you guys know that if you want to keep track of um, television series, there's an app called Serialized that I've been using to keep track of the TV shows that I watch. Uh, so um, what's that? There's a lot of Buffy on there lately. Yes, I've been I've been going through Buffy. Uh, just finished season five, and now I'm going to season six right now. Well, let's talk about some movies you have seen here recently and TV shows. Something I've actually watched too, Kevin. This has gotten a lot of hype for Apple TV uh, from the people who um, made Band of Brothers and The Pacific, their newest endeavor, Masters of the Air. And I know that's the first two episodes I've watched. And I, I has the third episode dropped yet, Kevin, or is that tomorrow? Yes. Yeah. The, oh wait, hold on. Uh, no, the third dr- episode has dropped today. It drops okay. new episodes drop on Apple plus on Fridays. So I've watched the first two. I know you watched the first two. What were your thoughts of the first two episodes of masters of the air? Uh, loved it. Absolutely loved it. And, uh, another thing too, I got my dad hooked on it and my dad is part of the reason why I'm a big movie fan. We watched a lot of movies together and a lot of movies we watched together were world war two films. And this takes place during World War II and is a wonderful, uh, um, you know, look at what it was like for those bombers that, um, you know, were trying to stop the Nazi war machine and how dangerous it was and how many people, how many lives were lost in the air. And uh, Austin Butler, who is the lead star here, of course, a lot of people know him from uh, Elvis. Uh, is fantastic in this thus far. And I love that we're getting a little, it's not just about the pilots too. You get, you really get a good, uh, they do a really good job of showing you life inside one of these B 29 bombers or whatever they are. You know, I forget the exact number on it though, but you know how dangerous it it is up there and what they have to do. And, you know, mixing and mingling with the, uh, um, the British uh, soldiers as well. And I, I'm, I can't wait to watch a new episode tonight. I'm just going to put it that way. All right. David Vaughn, does he talk like Elvis in this? He does have a bit of an accent in this, actually. I don't want to <laughs> say it's like Elvis, but he does. His, have an his character is from Wyoming. If I yeah. remember correctly. So, 
uh, they get into a lot of that um, about where these guys are from and what they did before. And uh, um, it's, it's, it's about the brotherhood that was bonded uh, during these, um, these, these missions. One of the things that I've really liked about the first two episodes too, is the combat scenes are very well done. The, oh my God. It's tough. Very, watch yeah, yeah. Tense, very, very keep you on the edge of your seat. I'm not fully into a lot of the characters yet. Cause I really feel like we haven't gotten really deep into any of them yet. Maybe Austin Butler's character. And I want to ask you this while I'm thinking of it, Kevin Austin Butler. Could he be an actor who is really in the wrong period for, for hit for the way this guy acts and how he looks. And because he feels like he's one of these classic actors coming out of like the fifties or sixties. You know, he can definitely play those roles. And uh, when I watched the trailer for his new movie, that's coming out this June, uh, what is it? The, the bike riders. Is that yeah, what it's called? So guys check out this, this trailer that just dropped recently called the bike riders uh, co-starring Tom Hardy in it. Norman Reedus. It's about a uh, 19 late 1960s biker gang, basically at a based out of Chicago. And uh, I think it's based on a true story. I'm not sure, but man, he looks good in that as well. Uh, he, his, his stars on the right rise, man. He's a good looking guy. He's a humble guy. And uh, I can't wait to see more of him, especially in this TV series, masters of the air. Well, we talked about the next, movie a little bit here when we were talking about the Oscars and I'm Kevin, I'm jealous because I haven't been able to get away from work to catch this. And David Lozano is going to hop on masters of the air air. You will enjoy highly it. recommended David. If you liked band of brothers, you're going to love this. It's great. Yeah. Um, which is this movie, which has been, I've been raving about this movie for several months now, Kevin, I was so excited for Godzilla minus one and it surpassed all my expectations. And then they did hear it for the final week that it's getting released after it was extended and extended and extended. Godzilla minus one minus color. Um, yeah, he David Lozano's right. Uh, Austin Butler is in Dune too, as um, the character Sting played. I, I can't be Sting played him in the 80s yeah. version of the character, yeah. but you got to see you got a chance to go see Godzilla minus one minus color. Um, how how was see how was it in black and white? Because I think it would have been spectacular and actually give you a whole different perspective on the film. It was spectacular, Kyle. I'll be honest with you. Uh, you said that this film last year was your favorite film, if I remember correctly. Yeah, then it was the um, film I was probably most excited about last year after things got moved around. Yeah, I, I had Godzilla, I think, in my top five. I can't remember. I think I did. Um, yeah, you did. I'm pushing it up. After seeing this movie in black and white, I'll tell you right now, Kyle, if you told me Kevin, you're never, ever going to be able to see the colorized version again, only the black and white version. I would have said fine. I honestly feel that the black and white version of this, it just had a certain, I don't know the word for it, but it brought me deeper into the story, deeper into the world. It felt like this was filmed in the late 40s and early 50s. Uh, it felt like it was naturally a black and white movie from the get go. The only giveaway that is not a natural black and white movie is how damn good the effects for Godzilla are and the best Godzilla effects I've even seen, even better than new trailer with him fighting with Kong. They deserve the and should win the special effects Oscar for this. The feeling in black and white, especially with the human drama that's going on and the survivor's guilt that the lead star has. 
to the family he's trying to build after the ruins of, of uh, Tokyo being bombed. Um, you know, and we're talking about the bombing of Tokyo, not the atom bomb, but the regular bombing the uh, that it had from the air the, the bombers from um, the the Allied flights. Obviously, you know about the uh, you know Hiroshima and Nagasaki, but Tokyo got bombed all over, and people are trying to live in these ruins. And the black and white adds to this feeling and this struggle. And then on top of that, you got a big gigantic lizard that's trying to damage things and seeing the black and white version of him doing his uh, nuclear breath with, you know, the, the, him generating the power to do it with starting from the tail and going up towards, you know, the back of his spine, Kyle. I hope that when this movie is released, uh, whether it's on digital and on physical media, that you get both of them, you know, how, um, at least for me, Kyle, whenever I watch the original um, uh, It's a Wonderful Life, I will mm-hmm. never watch the colored version of that film. I will yeah. always watch the black and white. If you ask me which one do I want to watch, Kyle, it's the black and white version. Okay. Hands down. Okay, so I have a question for you about this because I, I, the personal feeling I had when they announced this, but I've also heard this in other reviews I've read about God, the minus one minus color version. It makes Godzilla infinitely more horrifying in this film. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, I don't know what it is. It just sets the tone and the mood. It makes it more grim. It makes him more scarier, even though he was scarier in the color version. But this movie, with all of the fantastic acting, all the fantastic set dressing, all of the wonderful um, wardrobe, it just... There's nothing that takes you out of the late 1940s. Maybe of how well Godzilla's special effects are, because it's not a guy in a suit in black and white. That's the only thing you're going to back your mind going, but it it looks so real. It looks so real. And in black and white, it's just, I I, I actually would love to get this poster, the black and white version. This is fantastic. I, 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 it bumped up a few more there, Kyle, for my favorites of last year. That's what I like. That's what I like to hear. My favorite movie of 2023, Godzilla minus one. Uh, I'm so, I'm so happy for the people that made this film that, that they're getting the attention. In fact, they they all got to visit Lucasfilm recently too. And talk to everybody at Lucasfilm. I'm just so happy. This is the way to do Godzilla. And I'm, I'm just, it's just well done. Well, next up, Kevin, I didn't know you liked mean girls. Hey, watch it. I got a bur- I got a burn book with your name on it, Kyle. Don't <laughs> you give me crap for this. <laughs> so the Mean Girls, I don't want to call it a remake because, Kevin, it's my understanding this is actually kind of based off of the Mean Girls musical that's not been <laughs> out. Is that is that oh. am I right here or am I a little off? <laughs> OK, so, Kyle, full disclosure, I knew this movie was coming out, but I didn't pay much attention to it. OK, I'm a huge fan of the original film. I know that there was a Mean Girls musical. In the back of my mind, I was going, you know what? I would have, lo- I would have loved to have gone to one of those theatrical shows of live of a live cast doing a, a, a musical of Mean Girls. I would have loved to like go to Broadway or you know down to L.A. and Pantages Theater or something. I would love to have seen a version of this. Actually, there was a run of it at the Pantages Theater, if I remember correctly. So. But then it went out of my mind. And then when this movie was coming in and Tina Fey, of course, was um, uh, part of this. And she was also playing the similar character. 
I go to watch the film, Kyle, not even mm-hmm. thinking about it being a musical. And then they start singing. I'm like, holy shit, this is a musical. <laughs> uh, and so it took me, it took me a moment to accept that and then go along with it. But I did not think it was going to be a musical just because I didn't have my uh, radar on that. This was a musical. And I don't remember seeing anything like this is a, this is a movie musical version of the theatrical musical play. Uh, and so then I just rode with it and I did find it entertaining. Uh, it was interesting to see these characters singing their songs and Tim Meadows as the uh, returning as the, um, the principal was great too. And um, there is a cameo of someone that was in the first film that was in this movie. And I'm just going to say that. Well, last but not least is a movie you saw today. Our good friend Lacey saw it yesterday and was raving about it and i actually i'm gonna try to find a way to see this movie this weekend because i've been looking forward to this movie because i love the cast in this movie and it's a movie that looks like it's going to be a ton of fun and that is of course argyle apple apple tv produced apple produced um it will be coming on to apple apple tv plus down the down the line Um, this is where i'm giving a non-spoiler review just so you guys know not so spoiler. we're not going to go in depth too much on this, but non-spoiler review. How fun is Argyle? I literally got out of the theater about an hour and a half ago because uh, I wanted to see this film to talk about it. And uh, I, I, re- I, uh, I love Lacey's non-spoiler reviews and she kind of got the feeling that we, you know, that we should see this film and she was right, Kyle, this movie was so much fun and the script and the story was very clever. There was a twist that I didn't see coming. If you say that you see it coming, that's fine, but I don't believe you. <laughs> uh, and uh, it was it was really, really good. The cast was great. Uh, I'm just going to say that um, uh, I think Sam Rockwell kind of steals this film. He's really good in this. Sam Rockwell t- tends to steal any film he's in. Let's be honest here. Yeah. Uh, Henry Cavill, of course, uh, is in this as well. Um, but it's Bryce Dallas Howard that really shines in this film for obvious reasons. And if you see the trailer, you'll understand why she's great in this. Uh, and I want to give a shout out uh, to um, Catherine O'Hara, Kyle who plays her mom. You see it in the trailer. Uh, of course, um, from the old, uh, she was, you know, the mom in home alone. Of course, Kevin! <laughs> recently in Shit's Creek as well. It was great to see her, uh, you know, in a film playing a character. She was, and, uh, Oh my God, breaking bad guy, lead actor. What's his name? Oh, um, you don't have the name list here. Uh, what's his name? Uh, the, Brian Cranston yeah, is Brian in Cranston, it as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed this film, guys. It is a lot of fun. Great popcorn flick, too. Some very fun action. Some very funny moments. And uh, I highly, highly recommend it. I will be buying this movie. Okay. Um, Dave Lozano has yeah. a guess on the twist there, Kevin. <laughs> the twist is really a Kingsman film. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, yeah, it's funny because uh, the reason why he's saying that is because it's directed by Matthew Vaughn, who yeah. did the Kingsman film. So, um, 
it, it's funny the certain style that you saw in Kingsman you definitely see in this film as well uh, but I'm not going to give away anything I'm just going to say go see it and I will say this there is a mid credit scene okay so make two sure things based off of the trailer but I haven't seen this yet but I have two questions for you Kevin yes well, well, I, one's a statement one's a question first of all let's be honest you probably forgot about whatever else was going on in the movie every time Dua Lipa was on the screen she is my pop star wife so yes um two <laughs> this movie made me realize something you know how long we've been screaming for a remake somehow of tango and cash or a sequel or something like that henry cavill and john cena tango and cash i need it now oh dude yeah oh i would pay good money to see that that's good <laughs> <laughs> but i i just want to say i feel like this is the movie that Sam Rockwell needs to really get the good choice, big movie roles. So I'm going to say that. Well, I, I want to throw this out too, because a lot of people might know this, David, I know you do. If you are a Sam Rockwell fan and loved him in Iron Man two, go watch season two of what if the Christmas episode, you will have a very good time. I promise you. <laughs> go see Argyle guys. This, this is a fun movie. Wait. It's uh, go see it in the theater. Definitely see it on the big screen. There's, there's some one more scenes thing. that lend well to that. Yeah, there's one more thing we got to talk about with Argyle, though, because we all yeah. know who the real star of Argyle is. Claudia it's Schiffer? Chip. Well, no, but <laughs> Chip the Cat, who is, of course, the cat and his parents are the married couple of director Matthew Vaughn and Claudia Schiffer. But Chip the Cat, from everything I hear, is the true star of this. Yes, he has his moments, and my mind is blown finding out that Matthew Vaughn is married to Claudia Schiffer. Just going to throw that out there. I did not know that. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, well, guys. Uh, real is, quick, by the way, I didn't really yeah. give my verdict on buy it, stream it, and see it with Mean Girls. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say it's probably a stream it. Uh, don't think you have to go to the theater to see it. Uh, Godzilla minus one C, buy it, buy it, buy it, buy it, buy it, buy it, buy it. <laughs> and of course, Argyle is a buy it from. I think we blew David Lozano's mind. <laughs> okay, guys, it's time to get into our main topic of today's show. We had a lot to talk about. Obviously, the show's running a little longer because we had to give Carl Weathers his time, but it's time to have a conversation about Jumper and to find out if it should be saved from oblivion. Kevin! Save from Oblivion. We haven't done this in a little bit. Um, for those who aren't familiar, we try to find a kind of an off-the-wall off type movie. And, you know, maybe pe people know about it. Maybe it has a bit of a cult following. But it's kind of been left out of the lexicon for a little while. People haven't talked about it. It's there. But should it be still? Should it be brought more back into the lexicon? Or should it be lost forever to, to come back to on the occasional cable watch or something like that? And the movie we have picked this week is the 2008 film Jumper. Now, Kevin, I remember there's this was this movie had it was quite a big deal. People were excited about the concept of this movie before it came out. There was a very popular book series. Hayden Christensen um, was at least known for Star Wars at this point, but and of course Sam Jackson in this. There's actually an amazing cast in this film. Yeah. And I just want to go back on the Oblivion thing, guys. Uh, one of the reasons this this was a fun topic to bring back because, you know, it started basically of us talking about films of why haven't they gotten more love lately? 
why isn't it, uh, you know, um, on people's, you know, like, oh, remember that film or a rewatch list? And why isn't it on streaming or cable as much as it, sh you know, we think that it should be? Why didn't we get a sequel of it? Why did it not do well? You know, why aren't people talking about it? So all these questions were coming up, Kyle. We're like, you know, why we need to celebrate these films. We need to bring them back into people's memory and we need people to talk about it again. And I think that this movie jumper is one of those reasons, Kyle. And I think that uh, what's, what's, <laughs> what's interesting about it is I remember seeing it in the theater going, this is a fun movie. And I knew, no, it was based on, on books. People have talked about the books. I think that, for whatever reason, and we'll we'll get into that a little bit more later or, or coming up, why this movie didn't do as well as it did. What's funny though is it made money, Kyle. You know, well, it made, right? it made money thanks to some overseas. It really, we let's have a conversation about this because okay. it had an eighty-five million dollar budget. It grossed just over eighty million in the U.S. and Canada. Its worldwide gross was $225 million. But we had an interesting conversation about this, considering the time frame um, that this took, too, because this was at a time frame where they weren't really thinking about the overseas take of films like they do today. And we were trying to figure out, when did that change, Kevin? And I think we kind of pinpointed maybe trans Michael Bay's Transformers as kind of the movie that made people take a bigger awareness and that in the Fast and the Furious films, uh, the bigger awareness of the, the worldwide box office. Yeah, it was, especially when it came to China. China is a huge uh, um, country for when it comes to going to the theater and spending money. And Michael Bay uh, started working with a lot of, um, you know, Chinese filmmakers and, and, and actors and, and they started partnering up and sometimes filming scenes that were in these movies just for Chinese releases that you didn't see over in the States. And then a lot of European uh, countries were spending a lot of money on certain films and were movies were doing better. American films were doing better overseas than they were in America. Um yeah, shout out to uh, uh, "Life Is a House" starring Hayden Christensen. Uh, got a got a role got a role in that and got on the radar for um, uh, Anakin Skywalker. Is that what it was, Kyle? That series. It was that, that and his performance in the movie Shattered Glass. Yes, yeah. Um, but something came to before we get into the film there a little bit. Kyle, I want to talk about the physical media real quick. Of course, this mm -hmm. was my original Jumper DVD that I had, and I realized Kyle, I didn't have a Blu-ray of it. So you know what I did. I bought a Blu-ray of it. See right there. That was a Blu-ray version there. And it came with an old school digital copy as well. Special edition. But Kyle, did you know this movie was in 3d? I found a I 3d not, copy. I did not know it was in 3d. I don't even remember being in 3d in the theater. And this movie, by the way, this version right here, the 3d version, Kyle mm -hmm. just came today in the mail. Cause I ordered the 3d. I have not watched it in 3d yet, but there was a 3d version. I did not know. So, okay, before we get any farther, let, for those of you who um, might not be familiar with, here's a quick synopsis of what Jumper is about. A young man with teleportation ability suddenly finds himself in the middle of an ancient war between those like him and their sworn annihilators. 
David Rice is a high school student in Ann Arbor, Michigan, abandoned by his mother at five years old and living with his callous, alcoholic father. He is enamored with Millie, a fellow student, and picked on by at least one classmate. On a winter's day, while about to drown, he discovers he can transport himself instantaneously to any place on Earth. He runs away from home, goes to New York City, robs a bank vault, and comes to the attention of a shattery group of government hunters called Paladins. Eight years later, the hunters, led by the murderous Roland, get a fix on David. He heads home, seeks out Millie, and invites her to travel with him. Only later, later does he realize that Roland and his crew are seriously deadly. Is everyone close to David in danger? Now, Kevin, there's some pretty powerful people when this movie came out and at the time. Directed by Doug Lyman, who, of course, from the Born Identity theme fame written by also david mr S also mr mrs smith yeah david s goyer was one of the big and simon kimberg were a couple of the writers on this the cast hayden christensen samuel l jackson jamie bell rachel bilson michael worker diane lane and yes Kristen stewart is in this film too the cast is amazing dude <laughs> yeah um so look this this movie has a lot of interesting things going on with it. Um, Kevin, I got some, some trivia here. Do you want to read read some of the trivia? Yeah, sure. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. By the way, great running time. Only like what an hour and a half. I think yeah, it was exactly an hour and a half. Yeah, definitely. So trivia: the crew was allowed to film inside the Roman Colosseum for three days. There's a great, a great few scenes there. This is where he takes Rachel Bilson's character on a date. Right. Mm -hmm. um, under three conditions, they were allowed to film there. No equipment could be placed on the ground. They could only shoot from 6.30 a.m. to 8.30 a.m. and from 3.30 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. to avoid disturbing tourists. And the only lighting allowed was natural sunlight. <laughs> now, many parts of the film are different from the book. Some of them include the characters of Roland, Griffin, and the Paladins. In the book, the main character goes by Davy, not David. Davy was the only jumper in the book. However, Griffin's character changes this. In the movie, David knew Millie from school. In the book, they met after he ran away to New York City. In the book, David and Millie do not travel to Rome. The book spends a lot of time with Davy trying to find his mother and being tracked and investigated by the NSA, which has been replaced with the Paladin story arc. Now, here's a here's a really interesting thing here, guys. Eminem reportedly turned down an offer to star in the lead role. However, an MTV report quoted director Doug Lyman saying his plan to have Eminem in the movie was dropped right after he met Hayden Christensen. And last bit of trivia I have is Hayden Christensen, David, and Rachel Bilson, Millie, met on the set and became engaged, but split up in September 2017. <laughs> yeah. So, Kevin, um, let me ask you something here, because I watched this the other day to kind of refresh myself. And one of the things that I found on my iTunes extras was a... 30 about 30 35 minute documentary jumper uncensored oh and i watched this because they followed the director it mainly focuses on the director doug lyman and jamie bell and i'm going to be honest after watching this i get the feeling those two aren't exactly big fans of each other <laughs> jamie bell and doug lyman yeah um i think jamie maybe, bell kind of steals this film though yeah and for a character who wasn't even supposed to be in the film but what i gather from 
from this documentary, this film had problems because they were over budget. Doug Lyman basically took the original script and said, I ripped it up and made what I want to make. He said, I kept maybe one thing from the original book. And that was a big problem for a lot of fans of the book series and a lot of people who were excited about this movie is that this movie is incredibly different from the original story told. And I, I think Lyman took a lot of liabilities with the story. I'm not saying it's not a bad movie, but th there was a quite cult following for the jumper stories in those books. And I think they turned off a lot of the fans that they were expecting to, to get with this film. Kind of like what Iron Man 3 did with comic book fans. A little bit, yeah, but I don't think so, I don't. Th I, I think in this case too, Lyman went on a little bit of a power trip with this film. I get that, and he is a powerful director. But as someone who has nothing to know about the books, I think he killed it. <laughs> I thought this movie was fun. I love the effects. I love the paladin uh, aspect that was apparently added to this. I love that they have this this history that's kind of laid there of these paladins trying to crack down on these teleporters, I think is great. And the fact that we get a lineage kind of question thrown out there as well through the film with um, Hayden Christensen's mother played by Diane Lane, hot by the way. <laughs> and the fact that there's a missed opportunity with that character, not having a sequel. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I, th Again, if they would have went by the worldwide box office today, I think this movie gets a greenlit greenlit for a sequel. Yeah, yeah, so, definitely, so definitely. I do believe that. Let's talk about one of the other things too, Kevin, that I think had an effect on this movie. And I, as much as whether we like it or not, we ha I think we have to realize that the Hayden Christensen effect. A lot of hate towards Hayden Christensen by this time, whether okay. whether agreed upon or not. Yeah, I want to actually address this. Um, we had uh, a few people comment on my Facebook post about this film. And one of the, I, this isn't hate, of course, but I've heard this um, complaint about Hayden after, of course, his role as Anakin Skywalker. And I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, I, I mean, the, his role as Anakin Skywalker turned to, you know, Vader in um, Revenge of the Sith. I think is a, is a really good role, but he still gets a lot of crap for uh, attack of the clones. And my friend, Aaron head Moss, who does of course uh, a wonderful job with um, the GI Joe uh, um, podcast that I'm a guest on a lot. Uh, Real American Headcast is also a Facebook group. He says, great book, good movie would have been better if it had a better actor. And then I replied saying, I don't think Hayden uh, was the problem. It, and it made money, but it, you have an interesting point. What actor would have been a better actor? And uh, Aaron went on saying, I'm not sure offhand. I just dislike Hayden. I think his acting is too wooden. Like I said, it was a good movie. Again, would have been better in my honest opinion if it had stuck closer to the book, but that's just me. And he recommended the series of books. Uh, and when you touch on Hayden himself, I know he was trying to get out of being Anakin Skywalker here. And I thought this was a good role for him to kind of put that aside. But do you see Anakin when you're watching this? I thought he was kind of charming as the character that he was. I wasn't seeing Anakin. I don't know if I agree if there was his acting was wooden. Is there, a, is there something about Hayden that people were seeing in this film that was reminding them too much of the, the episode one that 
in the episode, the prequel trilogy that people were still kind of soured on until it kind of so, started to fall into nostalgia that people were liking. I, I have a theory on this because I thought when I first heard Hayden Christensen was cast to play Anakin Skywalker, I was very high on it. Cause I had loved, I'd seen him in shattered glass. I loved, I loved his performance in that. I truly believe this. And I think it's one of the reasons why Hayden Christensen stepped away from acting for a good while. I think when he made jumper, he had developed a lot of bad acting habits from playing Anakin Skywalker. And I think he kind of got stuck in when you talk about his wooden performance, there's times where I feel that watching jumper, Mm -hmm. but not right. I don't think Hayden at the time, um, Anakin Skywalker and how he was had to play Anakin Skywalker in the dialogue he was given and some probably some of the direction he was given didn't necessarily do him favors. And I think he got into some habits with that. And I think it I think there's some of the things he picked up playing Anakin Skywalker that do come through in Jumper. I don't think it's as bad as everybody talks about, but I do think that experience probably set him back as an actor a, a little bit. And I think you you, you mean his his performance in Jumper? No, his perform his performance as Anakin. And but I think he had some remain. The best way I can put it is remaining residue of that experience in his mm-hmm. in his acting performances when he took this because I really think he, he took this role as a hope to, to become a new franchise outside of Star Wars. You and know. Yeah, yeah, agree, definitely. And you know, I personally, you know, I there was a there's a few cringeworthy scenes in the prequel, uh, in in episode two and three, but overall, I liked uh, his performance as Anakin. I, you know, especially in three, uh, uh, Revenge of the Sith. I keep saying three, but Revenge of the Sith. Um, and when I saw this film, I was just like, I saw I saw another character that he could really dive into if we just got more of it, you know, if we got a sequel, I felt like, you know, this really would have been good for his career and maybe he would have gotten more roles because I was invested in his character in this film. I just, it was just one of those things where like, I was happy for him. You know, he's got something else to hang his hat on. Let's see jumper two. And of course we never got it. I, I think one of the other things for his performance in jumper, and I don't necessarily blame him for this. It could be the writing and even some of the directing had, he didn't feel like he carried much of an emotional range in this film. Yeah. I, there's some moments he does. I think I got to disagree. Cause I, I think that when it comes to, especially the scenes with his father by Michael Rooker, you know, and him trying to kind of stay away from that. And his, his, his moments with Rachel Bilson, I thought were genuine. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I just, hmm, I don't know. I, I, maybe I disagree. Oh, uh, and again, I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just all uh, things I observe personally. All I know is dude got to be co-star with first Natalie Portman and then Rachel Bilson. He's doing something right. Yeah. And I, I do, <laughs> I have an article here. I wanted to share with you guys that I found uh, on what was this here? What's the link? It is fandomwire.com. This came out September 15th on my birthday, 2023. This is a recent article guys. And by the way, when um, Hayden has been doing the fandom uh, appearances, uh, he often gets interviewed and uh, asked about a Jumper sequel. And he has said, I'm open to it, quote, 
I am open to it. If the one condition for Ahsoka star uh, Hayden Christensen to return for Jumper 2 is will Samuel L. Jackson return, which I'm sure he would. This is written by uh, Shayra on September 15, 2023. It says, Jumper 2008 is a cool science fiction action flick based on Stephen Gould's 1992 novel, the same name. No doubt it's a great movie and deserved a sequel too. Although the movie received mostly negative reviews, it did fairly well at the box office. And Kyle, let me uh, get that box office information here real quick. It says a budget of $85 million, worldwide gross, $225 million. $80 million of that is in U.S. and Canada. Uh, so... That is a successful movie, but as you had mentioned earlier, it's mostly overseas. I'll go on with the article here. Uh, it says here that uh, although the movie received mostly negative reviews, this was enough reason for Doug Lyman and the production company to consider a sequel. But time passed by and Jumper 2 is just a dream that never quite took off. Conversely, there is some buzz in the air these days about a sequel, but Doug Lyman, the director, hasn't given it an official green light yet, but maybe it's in the works, question mark. Their response is almost like, quote, I haven't heard anything, but I'd be open to it if there's a good story. Maybe the lead actor's Hayden Christensen condition would be the same too, question mark. Anyway, it's interesting to note that the Jumper novel series has three sequels. Namely, Reflex 2004, Impulse 2013, and Exo 2014. There is a short story called Shade 2008, which takes place after the events of Reflex, given the potential storylines. It seems that there was material for potential sequels too, but unfortunately, it did not happen. According to Screen Rant in 2016, a Jumper sequel was announced, but as an ongoing series on YouTube video sharing website. The series Impulse is more like a spinoff than a sequel, but it brings back the idea of jumpers in quotation marks. So overall, no decision has been made about when a sequel will be released. Clearly, it will take a while for it to appear on screen. Kyle, we still have time on our side here. Okay, I, I need to I need to interrupt and and bring up something because you mentioned Impulse, and I kind of ha I've had this conversation with you off mic. Impulse has actually been made. And Impulse was made as a YouTube premium TV series. Impulse is an American science fiction drama television series based on the 2013 Stephen Gold novel Impulse, which was one of the Jumper series of books. The series premiered on June 6, 2018 on YouTube Premium. It is exclusively produced by Lauren LaFranc, Doug Lyman, David Bartis, and Gene Klein. LaFranc also acted as showrunner for the series. In July 2018, the series was renewed for a second season consisting of 10 episodes, which premiered on October 16, 2019. The series was canceled in March 2020. So there has been more jumper out there if you want to be more in that world it's i've watched a couple episodes of impulse and it is intriguing I, I i would say this it definitely doesn't feel like what you see in the movie jumper per se but it's um it is enjoyable and it's worth a check out on youtube do they reference paladins in it not, not that uh, to the point where I've, I've watched through it real quick. The premise of impulse follows 16 year old Henrietta Henry Coles who discovers she has the ability to teleport, but has no control over her destination. The first time she realizes this, she's in a truck with her high school basketball, ba high school basketball team's captain and star Clay Boone, who tries to rape her. 
She has a seizure and teleports in the course of which she inadvertently crushes much of his truck when her ability to teleport first manifests, leaving him a paraplegic. The show then explores Henry's feelings of fear regarding the assault and the discovery that those feelings can trigger her ability to teleport. Okay. So let so just so you know, there is more involving Jumper out there if you're interested in that. The books, I highly recommend the books. The books are very good. I think you can get audiobooks of them, Kevin. Oh, cool. Very cool. Yeah, so, I, I would be interested in looking into that. Um, so we've kind of touched on a little bit, Kyle. We got to ask the two big questions here. First of all, why has this film slipped into oblivion? Let's ask that. Well, it was considered a bomb. Let's be at the box office for, at the time. Let's let's be honest here. I in mean, the U.S., we... yes. yes. But it made money. And in that article, it was considered to be a sequel. But time passed. And Doug yeah. Lyman seems to have the cards in his hand. I, I think it was one of those movies that for a while, probably through about 2015, it would make the cable rounds pretty regularly. It was just because of the time running of it and things like that. It fit. But I also think it's just kind of one of those movies that just kind of fell by the wayside as people forgot about it because there was no follow-up to it. And let's be honest, you really look at this cast and it's a big name cast, but in truth, outside of Sam Jackson and Diane Lane, have any of them really gone on to have these super huge careers since Jumper? People Rachel could Wilson, say Michael Michael Rooker. Well, yeah, Rooker, Rooker, but most people don't think when they think of Rooker, they think of Walking Dead and Guardians of the Galaxy. Let's be honest. Yeah, it's true. Um, Rachel Bilson, I can't think of too much she's been in. Hayden obviously kind of disappeared off the map for a while, and even Jamie Bell, who I like, I I, I can't think of a lot of other things after this that he did. You know, you, you've hit on an interesting point here, Kyle. You need actors that hit on something that people go, this is the first time I've seen this person. I need to go watch their back catalog. Right. And Samuel Jackson is the only character, or excuse me, the only actor in this is the biggest name. But here's the thing. He has so many acting credits. It's not like you're going to go back and go, oh, Let's go watch that Jumper movie. No, you're going to go back and watch, you know, his Star Wars films or his Tarantino appearances or his, his Hundreds on a Plane. Yeah, exactly. And so you're right. If you if Jamie Bell would have hit, you're going to go, oh, what else has Jamie Bell done? What's this Jumper movie? Rachel Bilson. What happened to her? Oh, she was in. She was great in this film. But let's go back and watch things. So you make a good point there. Not enough people, even though they're, it's got a great cast. You look at Diane Lane, of course, she's been uh, Superman's mom. But what else has she done recently to go, hmm, you know? And obviously Kristen Stewart, but I mean, people immediately jumped to Twilight. Exactly, exactly. And her role in this is not large. You know, no, she just very tiny. Cameo in it, you know? So, okay, so we, we, we've thrown out some reasons why uh, this film has been lost in oblivion. We got that right. Any is there? You think there's anything else that contributed to this, guys? Uh, I I I just I, personally I think it's just one of those things to where there's a when you go back to this time frame too, Kevin. There's a lot of these type of movies that came out. They were the oddball little science fiction films or something like that, where they kind of got a little notoriety, but then kind of fell off the wayside. It was a that period in movies was you didn't have the huge you had you didn't have the franchises like this. And I think 
truthfully, science fiction hadn't become the big thing. We were a little bit before the MCU really hit big. We were a little bit before some of these other yeah, things. Yeah, this, this came out the same year as Iron Man did. Right. So we weren't yeah. we weren't quite there yet. And so I think if this movie comes out even five years later, it gets more attention. It gets probably a little bit bigger budget. I don't know if you pull in Hayden Christensen to star in it. Maybe it is somebody somebody else. Maybe like a Jake Gyllenhaal or something like like that. Um in in the in that role, but it's that it's question the, is out there. Would it have been a better film if we had a, a different lead star? Maybe. I, I I don't think I don't think that's all that contributes to this and and in this film. Um I think they probably follow the book a little closer too because I think that's something that's changed in this time frame since Jumper come out, they tend to stay much closer to the source material. All right. The big question. And if you're watching this, let us know in the chat. Should Jumper be saved from oblivion? Yes, no, and why? Kyle. Well, I absolutely think it should be saved from oblivion. It's an incredibly cool concept, first and foremost. It is a concept yeah. that needs, that you could tell many stories out of. I will be honest, if they were to do a jump or two or try to relaunch this or something like this, I don't know if I would want Hayden to be the star of the film per se right now, but I would love to for him to have a role in it. I mean, you know, maybe we get a new younger person who's discovering their teleportation abilities and he becomes kind of like a mentor role. He's now because he's part of the war and understands that he's recruiting, he's bring, saving these young jumpers or yeah. um, trying to re recruit them in. To, to 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 the war and i would love to see that i'd love to see samuel jackson return maybe he not so much in the heavier action role but more of like leading the paladins i want to see diane lane return because well, remember was... he remember he gets he he um at the end of the film hayden decides not to kill him yeah and it, it would be interesting to see if he takes a turn and either becomes an ally or something like that you know well, and to me, that's one of the big things that I wish we would have gotten a sequel for, too. I would have loved to seen the movie where they deal with Diane Lane hunting her son. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I did want to give a shout out to Matthew uh, uh, Fetcher commented on my post about um, uh, this movie. And he says, I did enjoy the movie, but I wish they would do a new movie more closely tied to the story of the book and its three sequels. As much as this movie was a retelling of the book, they made a YouTube series that was a retelling of the books about his daughter. It was entertaining enough, but I wish it had went to Netflix or something with a little bit more viewership. Good you know, that, you know, when that show came out, that show came out the same time Cobra Kai hit on YouTube. Oh, wow. Okay. That's, so that's what, that's when YouTube was really trying to start to get into original programming. Then Cobra Kai blew up so much that, um, you know, they didn't go Netflix bought it. And I, and I think the impulse kind of just got lost in the wayside because Cobra Kai became such a phenomenon. Ken, Kenny says, I have the original early Blu-ray disc release of Jumper. And I like the film. It's very underrated. I'm wondering, is this the one that you have here, Kenny? I'm just going to hold this up again because I just recently ordered this one. And uh, it has a DVD and then there's the uh, digital copy where you have to put the disc. Remember the early yeah. digital copies? You had to actually put the disc in there and either transfer it to iTunes or download it onto your computer. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I think, I think this movie should be saved from oblivion because I think there's a lot more that you can do with the concept that alone makes it worth saving from oblivion. I completely agree with you, Kyle. It's one of those films. I love to uh, go back and revisit and it's, I, 
I love the I love when he goes to the it's something you would do. You know, you find out a way to rob a bank, you know, because you, you have to like have seen it. Basically, you have to know where you're going. That's kind of the trick of the jumping. So you have to be familiar with the locations that you're actually jumping to. And I just love it when he goes to like, the you know, the top of Big Ben, you know, the clock tower there in London. Top to, of the, to Sphinx. The, the Sphinx, you know, the uh, pyramid in, in, uh, in Egypt. It's just fun. I could just see them really going to other really cool places and, you know, maybe finding more about the paladins or the other jumpers and how people become jumpers. Is it something that's in the blood and that type of thing? You know, Kenny says, yes, that is the one Kevin. Awesome. Uh, but I didn't know there's a three. I can't wait to rewatch this in 3d. I hope it translates. Well, I don't know if it will. Um, it's just one disc though. I found it. Uh, but yeah. Kevin, Kenny brings up a good point, and I think this is why we might could see a revival of Jumper. Hayden is in the middle of a career resurgence right now, showing up at Celebration, reappearing as Anakin Skywalker in Obi-Wan Kenobi and the Ahsoka TV on TV, Disney+. Plus. There's also some things. He went and renewed his Screen Actors Guild card and some other things, and there's a lot of rumors he's going to be starting doing some voiceover work in the next Sonic the Hedgehog movie as one of the characters for Sonic. So... He's getting back into acting. So th this could be something that could lead to something happening with the Jumper franchise. Great point, Kenny. And great point, Kyle. And hopefully that does. I I hope he, what he should be doing is calling up Samuel Jackson saying, dude, can you get some pull here? Contact Lyman. Let's get this going. Let's get it happening. Because I know, I know Samuel Jackson would come back for the sequel. Yeah, that would be great. So uh, my answer, definitely. Yes. Uh, let's bring him back, guys. Let, let's start it going. Bring back from oblivion. Now, quick question for you, Kyle. And I keep bringing this up. Should we bring Tom Cruise's oblivion back from oblivion? And I, I keep telling you, you can't bring oblivion back from oblivion. It's, it, it, it's why? A, why? It's a par it's a paradox. It would cause all kinds of problems. Why are you avoiding this, Kyle? <laughs> I'm just gonna. I just maybe it's just because you know I, I'm just trying to do a little Jamie Bell on you. <laughs> You're still not answering the question. <laughs> well, Kevin, I want to know. Do you want to do a Marvel team up? A Marvel team up? Sure. <laughs> you know, take out the bad guy. Lim limited run. You know, what, what Hayden was trying to sell Jamie Bell on and Jumper. Oh, that's right. Teaming up. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Ladies and gentlemen, I just oh. bring a big reference from the movie that we just <laughs> it came out of left field because I'm trying to get you to acknowledge the Tom Cruise movie called Oblivion. I, I, I acknowledge I acknowledge the film. It's 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 actually a good film. I think it's better than being lost to oblivion. I think more people know about it than 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 it than than being saved from oblivion. I think it's already got it's I don't I don't think it's in danger of oblivion, even though it's named oblivion. I think it is. And I think it'd be funny to, to talk about it one day on Oblivion. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, <laughs> let's save Jumper from Oblivion, everyone. Yeah. Do what you can. Let's 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 get people re-watching this, especially Star Wars fans. Hey, if you're an Anakin fan and you love Hayden Christensen and you have not seen Jumper, see Jumper. If you are a Star Wars fan, see Jumper. See it. There we go. Yeah. Star Wars fans are going to save Jumper, Kyle. You just watch. I, I, I trust in the Star Wars fans. Um, but this has been Culture Clash Live. Um, Safe from Oblivion, Jumper. We Of course, remembering Carl Weathers as well. Um, Rest in peace, little. Carl. Rest yeah, in uh, peace. That, this one's going to be a bummer for a while, Kevin. But um, yeah. 
thank you for all the greatness you did give us uh apollo creed you will always be uh, and for a whole generation a little grief karga and you know the little guy i, I loved his interactions with grogu yeah <laughs> i always loved his interactions with grogu. do the wavy hand thing do the wavy hand yeah. thing gosh i'm gonna miss you carl Jeez. But this has been Culture Clash Live here on the Phantom Podcast Network YouTube channel. Um, been a pleasure doing this. I know we ran a little long again, but we wanted to make Shout sure out to great. my buddy Carlos. Thank you. Good show, gents. Rest in peace, Carl. Thank you for watching, Carl. Appreciate you. Carlos, thank you. Um, as always, you know, if you're watching us live on the YouTube channel, thank you so much for joining us and contributing to the to the chat and the show. We love you guys for it. If you're listening to this on the audio podcast, we hopefully you're enjoying it. Or if you're watching it on YouTube a little later, we appreciate that as well. Please make sure you subscribe, share us, give us some likes. Put the word out. We're trying to work on growing the YouTube channel. It's a work in progress still. We got some big things planned for this year, but... We, we love your support and we thank you so much for it because we do this for you guys. And as long as you guys keep telling us you like what we're doing, we're going to keep do, doing it. But yeah. of course, there are many great ways to find the Phantom Podcast Network, whether it's here on the Phantom Podcast Network YouTube channel, on our master feed at fpnet.podbean.com. Of course, you can also find us on all the major podcast catchers out there, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, so many other of them out there. We're on all of them. So please go hunt us down. Give us your likes. Give us your subscribes. Um, you can also visit our Facebook page where we try to keep you updated on everything that's happening in fandom. Um, we, we Again, we just try to have a little fun. Try, try to br bring a little smile to your face, give you a distraction from the, the world around us. Um, it's been a blast, Kevin. We saved a, we saved a movie from oblivion. We, we did we it. Did. We did it. Yes. Go watch Jumper, guys. If you're a Star Wars fan and you like Hayden, is there, you shouldn't. I don't see why you should not watch this film. And it's only an hour and a half. Come on. It's it's easy watch. Yeah. As for me, you can find me, Kyle, on social media on Twitter slash X at AKyleW or on Instagram and th threads at AKyleFandom. Kevin, where can people find you on socials? Uh, you can find me on X, Instagram, and threads at Spartan underscore Phoenix. And, of course, you can find me here on the Fandom Podcast Network and also on Facebook. And, uh, you know, uh, just a shout out, if you're a hair metal fan, check out the hair metal, uh, podcast, Facebook group. If you're, a uh, um, uh, Highlander fan, we got blood of Kings, uh, page as well. Uh, star Trek and, uh, um, Orville fan. we got union federation. And of course, uh, we have a group for true believers, our MCU podcast as well. Uh, come and join those groups. We'd appreciate yeah. you. And true believers. I promise you within the next few weeks, we will be covering echo. Um, very surprised by that show we have some, yes I have, I have some thoughts about this and real quick i'm going to throw out tpublic.com the fandom podcast network store we haven't thrown that out in a while you like our shows we've got gear representing all of our shows whether it's t-shirts sweatshirts cups whatever hit, hit our tpublic store you know what we don't we don't make a lot from it but it helps keep the lights on here here and we do appreciate appreciate it but with that i want to thank everybody for watching thank you for listening Thanks for the um, chat, guys. Appreciate you. Yeah. Oh, everybody in chat, David, Adam, Kenny, um, Carlos, all everybody. We appreciate your input as always because it makes the show that much more fun. Until next time, which Kevin, it's time to yes, we're talking about jumper, but next time it's time to hop on the timeline. Yeah, timeline, guys. Watch this movie because we're gonna be talking about it in our uh our time, um what are we calling it? Uh, the, the our, our, time our, our time travel spotlight. Yes, time travel spotlight. We're excited to talk about timeline. So that will be in that will be in a few weeks. Of course, by then, my favorite football team, 
the Kansas City Chiefs will hopefully once again be Super Bowl champions too. I got to give a shout out. I'm proud of my boys. You guys are on a roll, man. You guys are on a roll. We'll see. It's gonna be a bit. It's gonna be a big game between uh, Chiefs and Niners. We'll, we'll we'll try not to make your home stadium too messy, Kevin. <laughs> rub it in. Why don't you rub it in? Well, you know, only the best for Tay Tay. <laughs> <laughs> with that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. And as always, we like to close out with the big things. Respect your child, respect each other. No matter what your fandom is, respect each other because there's no such thing as a wrong fandom. It's just a fandom. And even more importantly, whatever your fandom is, enjoy your fandom. Thank you so much for watching, guys. See you guys. Until next time, we are out of here. Thank you.